episodes of now. Folk Radio and Bloodlines, no music today. I have a, I've had a hell of a time trying to get online today, and I think my hotspot will last for the 90 minutes of this show. And, of course, this is Bloodlines, Your Folk Radio, November 28, 2021. And uh, we are broadcasting thanks to Paul English, who is producing in London. And uh, we're going to be talking about three dirty words. <laughs> uh, we, we scratched the surface last time Paul and I got together, and we're going to be talking about the words covenant, Jew, and Gentile. And uh, these are very important words that you need to understand what they mean, how they've been misused, abused, mistranslated, uh, uh, defecated upon, <laughs> and other sorts of things that have ruined the ability of Bible readers to understand what the Bible is really talking about. So, Paul, I know you've had uh, some uh, personal experience trying to explain some of these things to uh, the people at the pub, right? <laughs> the people at the pub. Yeah, I think we right. can use that as shorthand for everybody else out there. Um Although, right. of course, of course, there's not many people at the pub these days in the UK, not as many as they as there used to be. By the way, th- thank you very much for having me back. I really enjoyed it the other week. Hopefully, we'll we'll uh, we'll knock a few balls around today and, and do quite well. I think uh, it's, it's too bad we can't be both at the same pub at the same time. Yeah, we could do it live from a pub. It would be fantastic. We'd have the background atmosphere of people hurling abuse at one another, which always lends a little bit of <laughs> colour to proceedings. But um, yeah, no, those were, it's interesting, these words. Uh, uh, it's more than just interesting. I find, have found, over the past eight or nine years, ever since I became aware of all this, that I keep returning back to this cluster of five or six words, of which the th- three that you've mentioned are definitely prominent amongst them. Because uh, it's just like an engineering manual. If you do not understand the basic concept of, say, an engine, there's no real point becoming advanced uh, in all sorts of other frippery and, and other sort of incidental pieces of technology. If you don't really get and understand the basics of an engine, you're not really an engineer. And it's the same, I feel very strongly with this, that obviously words um, are the key part of, well, that's what scripture is. It's an assembly of words. And uh, there's a clutch of them that are consistently uh, misrepresented, misunderstood, um, intentionally twisted because of churches being very keen to expand their what they consider is a a church by getting more bottoms on seats and uh, so they've made it all inclusive they've made it universal um, and when you actually go back to scripture you find that that message is not present there Um, and so it's interesting you mentioned about being with people because i was with them again on friday just a couple of days ago it was a i got a quick call and uh, it was a more of a general sort of gathering and they're always really good natured and uh, uh although there's another one specifically i think on biblical things on tuesday which i will seek to go to um but but people are generally quite open to it um or at least it it leaves that sort of funny look on everybody's face which i think is a pretty good sign because it's probably the look i had when <laughs> when i first stumbled into it as well you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've just posted in the chat room and also in your chat room uh, an article by Arnold Kennedy. But let's talk really quickly about our understanding of the, the three dirty words. 
and the first being berith in Hebrew, and that mean and that's the word that is translated as covenant. And there's really nothing wrong with it being translated as covenant. However, now. I know you have somewhat of a legal background because you've been in court uh, fighting the banksters uh, several times in your life. Yeah, it's a very, and, I think, uh, a liberal yeah. explanation there. Right. <laughs> my legal background now, involves have, my bottom being kicked by the legal system, but yes. <laughs> right, right. Have you ever made a covenant with the banksters? And you, you must have made a covenant because you have a bank account, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, does that give everybody else in the world the right to uh, get into your bank account and remove your money? Well, you would think not. But, of course, the small print, (laughs) the small print, of course, and the way that they use language to describe one thing, creating an impression with you, which is wholly untrue and always to their advantage, means that they can. I I mean, a very simple thing with regards to banks is that people refer to it as my bank account you know you would refer right? to it as yours right because it's got your name or what you think is your name attached to it uh, nearly always in capitals of course um but one of the rules over here it'll it'll be the same i would imagine in your neck of the woods also is if there is a rush upon the bank uh, something which no one thinks is ever going to happen again but i suspect it is now uh, given what what they're mucking about with then the bank can pull on your what you think is your deposits in your account and use them. And you have no right of rebuttal on that. They will just use them. Because whilst it's in their system, it's classed as their asset. How about that? Right, right. So no, but, you uh, don't have the power. Okay, so th- this uh, brings up the issue of a fraudulent contract. But the point uh, for us in uh, Scripture you know, study is that a contract – is exclusive, and even so, uh, even though the fine print would apply to you and the bank and no one else, uh, although no one else besides you and the bank have access to the account, right? Unless there's more fine print that we're not aware of, okay? Most people don't realize that uh, this fine print gives the bank uh, an an additional, uh, well, let's call it a backdoor to your money, Okay, hmm. but uh, common understanding is that uh, it's only uh, it's a contract between you and the bank, and uh, nobody else besides you and the bank have access to the money. That's the way it should be, and uh, you know disregarding the fine fine print. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the way it should be. Uh, I mean, you are led to believe that. You're led to believe. We're led to believe all sorts of things throughout our life, which are, most of which turn out to be untrue. <laughs> It, yes. it really is the case. Right. Most of them are untrue because, you know, the whole system of human control of other humans is not based on truth. It's based on uh, veiling the truth. Fine print. Yes, and on yeah, fine print. Fine and print. Co- an intentional level of uh, confusion uh, created by the scribes, as it were, our modern-day scribes, yes. to, to bewilder you. So that it's not done honourably. Uh, and most of us are actually involved in effectively deceptive contracts. We think it means uh, one thing. The other party or parties to the contract are quite happy to have us roll along in that ignorant state because it's to their advantage when uh, a whole machine is built up around it. And, uh, and the principle, of course, lies exactly there in terms of Scripture as well, in terms of this understanding of key words, yes. which which is generally not there. The understanding doesn't exist across the broad swathe of our, of our own people. Yeah. 
Yeah, that brings up an inter- another interesting legal point, the, the difference between common law and contract law. Common law is based on the Bible, especially uh, since uh, Albert the Great codified it way back when in England. It's been uh, the common uh, accepted jurisprudence throughout Anglo-Saxondom yes. until – of course, we have the contract law, maritime law. Uh, there's various names for the nomenclature of contract law. But the contract law simply means that uh, it's a contract between you and some other party, like a bank or a corporation, or uh, you and the government. Okay. Yes. That's contract law. So uh, the way it works, and most again, most people don't realize it, and the, and the fraud is applies to both legalities and to the Bible, that uh, when you sign on the dotted line on your driver's license, uh, you have uh, basically committed to yourself to doing commerce. For me, it's in the state of Illinois, and that uh, is covered by contract law. Now, uh, if you know that, and you go and, and use the roads uh, in Illinois, and a cop stops you, and uh, he says, you were speeding. I said, well, I don't think so, officer. No, I clocked you at such and such above the speed limit. And then, uh, well, the, uh, uh, he asks for your driver's license, and then you can't, can't drive, uh, except that they give you a ticket uh, that you can drive on for a while. So, mm-hmm. But this is a contract between you and the government, Okay. And then, uh, so then you're, uh, when you go to court, you're in contract law, not common law. Yes. And so uh, h- here is the contract. Uh, but for us as Israelites, it's both. It's, we're both under contract and common law. And the contract uh, occurs in Genesis chapter 17, which I will quote, doesn't have to be very extensive, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, and Yahweh appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty Elohim, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant, berith, in the sense of cutting, mm-hmm. with between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And the, it goes on to say, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy offspring, this is verse 7, after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy offspring after thee. So there's two very important concepts here. Number one, the covenant, which is a contract between the Father and us. And no other people, nobody else is nobody else is named in the contract. Okay, yep. uh, does that make legal sense to you? Well, it does because that's what a contract is by definition. I think we touched on this a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. An inherent prime quality of a contract, which is why they are used to operate in the world, why they are useful, obviously, when they're honourable contracts, um, yes. is exclusivity. That's I mean. You don't even think about it. it. It's literally concomitant with the word of it. it. It goes hand in hand. There's nothing you can... That's what a contract is. You wouldn't draw them up. Otherwise, be, you'd say, right. I'm going to do right. this with everybody at some point in the future. But, uh, we're going to do something. I mean, it's so vague. You can't actually achieve a task. So it's always about performance. And it's interesting, that bit that you've just quoted in Genesis 
177 because 17, that's echo yes. yeah that that's echoed in in hebrews 8 8 uh, where it's re- it, i will be a god unto uh, them and, and they yeah. will be a people unto me because uh, he restates it i think he's on the on, on along the lines of the israelites basically had a pretty hard time actually obeying me in the old testament right. <laughs> but but it still all stands okay. and we're going to go again here we go because i right. told you it's yeah. on for, forever is this contract yeah Amen. It's forever. It explicitly says so and repeats it. Let me continue. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee. That means direct descendants and no other possibility of people than direct descendants. The land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, we still own it, but we have uh, reneged on that and given it to the Edomites. Verse 9, and God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed, your your offspring, can the black Africans, the Chinamen, the American Indians be considered his offspring? No, they cannot. No, no. Uh, no. We can't even consider the idea of considering it. It's crystal clear what it says. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It In is. their generations, again, their, uh, for their existence, revolution of time and age. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Forever. Verse 10. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy offspring after thee. Every man, child among you shall be circumcised, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so now we see that uh, this is repeated many times that it's a contract between Abraham and Yahweh and, of course, Abraham's offspring and no other people. So yes. now that brings up other words like church. It does. Was this covenant made with a church? Well, no, but then you see this word church, of course, is. Um a muddlesome thing again, isn't it? Because, right. uh, in fact, we were discussing this the other day, uh, and one point I've been able, that's quite clearly understood by this little group, because he's not always hovering on scriptural matters, it moves around, it's on current things, and then it comes back, and it does, it's, it's a free-flying conversation. But one thing that everybody there is pretty clear about um, is that a church is a gathering of the elders to discuss the affairs of state, which is, yeah, is what I assembly. understand. That's exactly yeah, what a church a, is. That's why we're in one exactly. right now, you and me. Well, there might only be two of us here. Of course, there's people listening as well. Um, but we're in one. This is We're actually having a church meeting in the true sense of that yes. word. But, of course, you're referring to it rightfully so as as the way that the great swathe of people view a church. <laughs> right. Now, what about the Catholic church down the street from your house? Yeah, good grief is the one. <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> Does I, that I haven't nosed around, but yeah, but they like to claim that, don't they? They uh, when the when they got the Pope business going, um, when they got into the religion business um, some seventeen hundred years ago or whatever, then uh, yeah, they were very keen to say that uh, no, the church, our church, the one that me, the Pope, and all these Roman people have set up, this is now uh, this is you can consider this to be. Israel and inheriting all that stuff. I I don't think so. <laughs> nice claim, but uh, sorry, there's no clause that actually says that that will happen, so no. <laughs> right. But it's interesting that the Roman Catholic Church claims to be Israel. It is interesting, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It is, which must mean that right at the base of it, Eli, they knew exactly what this contract was all about. Why would they claim it otherwise? Why would they seek to appropriate it? 
Um, yes, yes. You know exactly. Yeah. Now, isn't it the same lie that the Edomites are foisting upon the world? Yes, yes. And I think the Edomite connection with the Catholic Church as well um, is worth thinking about in the sense that the Vatican and the whole of uh, the, you know, the the Holy Roman City, as it were, um, is built on what was classified as the old Jewish quarter of Rome. But we wouldn't really use the word Jew, that other bewildering and confusing word. We would use it as the Edomite, Canaanite, Moab descendant bit, the bits that had pursued the Israelites into Rome and were already interfering with that communication process. I mean, the communication process from Christ onwards has been continually interfered with by the the Edomite enemy all the time and and of course that's where they've done so that if they you know I'm just taking a stab here but if they seeded in the minds of other um uh evil people that they could build a church and acquire this thing and, and sort of build it into their what do you call it doctrine liturgy whatever they want to claim it yes. to be then they've picked it up and done that and uh you know, away they went. Of course, they had the might of the Roman Empire to disperse this message quickly, um, and away they went. But uh, they met with resistance, you know. I mean, you hear from... Uh, I know that Charlemagne, who was, um, you know, pursuing the advancement of the Holy Roman Catholic Empire, he slaughtered all those... Um, all the all the Norsemen in France. Right. They were slaughtered. Yeah. About 5,000 were slaughtered. And they turned then into the Normans, who frankly are a vicious, became a vicious people. They were almost like psychologically damaged goods. That you don't need to do that. <laughs> you can see that there's no. no requirement to do any of this running around, beating up your fellow Israelite person to get them convinced, because it spontaneously has been acquired by our people whenever they've come into contact with it, because it's our basic operating system. It's actually in the blood, which is why it's about race. That's right. And that's why COVID is, is trying to change our operating system, our yes. blood operating system, our DNA. Yeah, right? it is. Man, this is getting really personal. Yes, it is. It's getting really personal, folks. It is. Man, we should be alarmed. <laughs> well, but moderately the churches so. churches are going, la-di-da, happy day. Another a cup of tea, please. Well, I mean, you know, the role of us here in this this conversation, and by, I don't mean just literally this one, but this, that, because there are people that are listening are involved in this conversation. This this one is the one that we and others are familiar with it have to roll out um, as rapidly as we can and as effectively as we. I mean, this has always been the challenge, but of course, it's, it has been difficult um, into our own, back to our own people. And you would have to say that the ground has never been more fertile for it, because for the first time in most of their lives, they're under a, an incredibly awkward feeling, a pressure. Uh, the, the, they they have made government their god. You know, it's a choice, isn't it? Whose laws do you follow? The laws of Yahweh or the laws of men? And for most people. Yeah. And I include myself as well, during parts of my life, I have followed the laws of men. Although I have always been a troublemaker, so it's not gone very well for me, because my my instincts were that they were always on the make at my expense, and, and I've completely corrected right. that. There's nothing genius about that. Anybody can work that out. But I, I think the ground has never been better, and that's possibly one of the reasons. I mean, this group, when I first joined it, was talking really just about the COVID thing and how to deal with it. But slowly but surely... People want to talk about scripture. I didn't bring this up. I didn't inject it into the conversation. It just has happened quite naturally that they're looking around and um, people are bringing along other books, analyzing things from different perspectives. I, I don't have too much time for them, but I do note, I mean, these books, not the people, 
But I know that this is happening, that there is a genuine thirst and inquiry to get to the root of it. And of course, they're going through those little hurdles that I think we all go through, Eli, which is that kind of awkwardness of, oh, good grief, does this mean, uh, does this mean we're not supposed to live with other people? Yeah, <laughs> right. that's a, that's exactly mm. what it that's exactly what it means. Yeah, but but, the, but I don't hate them. They go, yeah, they go, I don't hate these people. I go, Neither do I. But um, uh, you've got a choice. You either honour our contract with God or you don't. And if you don't, which is what's been that's going right. on for a long time, we end up in this muddle. It's not about hating other people, right? It's that their role's different. I don't know what it is because they are one of them, and I wouldn't even pretend to try. <laughs> Why should I? Yes. It's none of my damn business. Uh, but, you know. Uh, let me let me put it this way. I want to be left alone, but I am not a misanthrope. I thought you okay. were turning to Greta Garbo then. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, she, I'm not that famous. <laughs> so to, 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 to really want seclusion, right? So, but this is this is the whole uh, matter here. Again, the word contract applies only to Yahweh, and the covenant of the scriptures, of course, apply only to Yahweh and His people Israel, and no other people. So, anybody uh, who practices a different, uh, well, religion or faith is shooting in the wrong <laughs> direction, right? Yes. So, no, so what about the word universalism? What about is the it? the Bible written to, to <laughs> everybody, uh, I, right? No, but, you know, if you'd have spoken to me at 14, I would have said probably, okay. given what mm-hmm. the way I'd been m- mal-educated about it, um, right. along with everybody else in my generation and the ones before and the ones since. So, um, you know, if the teaching is flawed, but you have no way of referencing it, you've got a problem. Um, It's not that it can't be overcome. It's that always the the preponderance of of numbers is on on the other side because they've got in early and bent the truth out of whack. So people come out muddled. And, of course, this makes white people prone to universalism. In fact, that's really, that's what causes that look on their face. I totally understand it. I don't have a go of them about it. I, I know the feeling myself. It's not particularly attractive to start off with. You go, oh, but I don't hate anybody else. Because, you know, they want to think that I do. I said, well, I don't. I mean, I've never had trouble with anybody. What I'm simply pointing out is that we can't have any interaction with them because it's useless. That's right. It's useless. Yeah, so it achieves absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. Universalism is out the window. There's nothing in Scripture that promotes universalism except false translations of words that make people believe that it's a universalistic document, okay? Yes. But but a Sussex man makes a very important statement in the chat room. He says, common law contract is the basis of statute law, which has to be consented to, or it has to be consented to. Yeah. which is done by trickery. Therefore, if a statute is contrary to the common law, it is unlawful. And that is correct. Yes. But the, the governments ignore this fact. That, and this trickery on the bottom line of your bank account, which they don't read f- to you ever, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's presumed that you shall have read it, <laughs> right? And, but you know, I need a magnifying glass to read it. And I would never suspect that they would actually take my money without my consent. Would they? Yes, they would. 
<laughs> yes, they would. They would because they've got you thinking that it's your money. Whereas right at the mm-hmm. beginning of the thing, it isn't. It isn't yours. Yeah. I mean, over here on the on the pound notes that we have left, um, <laughs> the ones that people carry around before they try to digitalize everything, in which they you right. know, they might be intermittently successful at that, but I do think that there's an awful lot of twists and turns yet to go. But on it, um, there's been always these statements from the chief cashier going all the way back to the 1800s. And one of the little phrases that he used to have a sort of, you know, a copy of his signature on every note, he says, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of five pounds. Now, in the past, that meant that you could take that note into a bank and they would give you the value in either gold and or silver, depending on the amount. You could do that. That's a long time ago, right? (laughs) That's a long time. But that used to happen because that's how the confidence was being developed in the paper money. Because, you know, you have to get people confident in it so you can abuse it but but the, the operative word there is bearer it's a con game yes yeah, it's a con game <laughs> you are basically right? little more than a transport mechanism for their notes i know that's i know right. it has value i'm and not saying get debt notes that's right these are debt notes right yeah, yeah. it means uh, that you the people owe the debt to the banks that's what it, it means it, it sort of does i mean cash is actually the strongest form of money that we have in the sense that they, right now, yeah. Well, I mean, but there's very little of it. I mean, over here, the the total supply is about two and a half percent. It might be even less than that now. And I remember when I was starting off my journey towards hell, uh, some twenty five, twenty six years ago. One of the things that I we discussed a lot was was this thing about the move towards a cashless society. This is in the mid nineties. I was discussing this with this guy that taught me and all all this sort of evil stuff, and he said they want to get rid of cash. And, uh, of course, we had debit cards had just arrived after the blur of credit cards in the 80s. Everybody was remortgaging their house using credit cards. The whole thing was sort of another artificial bubble like they all are. And um, I said, why? He said, because it's the last bit of the puzzle that they can't control. They actually – they still can't, right? But what what they've got is they've got so many receipt and checking systems, and they've got cameras in supermarkets that, you know – so we're talking about an obsessive compulsion by – that Edomite mentality, it's a good word, it encompasses all sorts of clans, not just Edomite. Yes, it does. Um, who are keen to not let the natural laws of life operate, but are keen for them to only operate under their control. They want to control other men. I mean, this is nothing new that I'm saying yeah. here, but, you know, that's it. And the money, we see it more clearly in the control of money than probably just any other arena. And, and Chris's point, Sussex Man's point, is bang on. Yeah, if it's contrary to yeah. common law, it is not law. And yet, most people are mal-informed about this and don't know how to communicate in those situations. You know, it's tricky. And the same applies to the Bible, as to who is under contract and who isn't. Yes. All right? Yeah. It's the same thing. Absolutely the same thing, folks. But now here, there's an interesting aspect about, the. it's called cutting a deal, that covenant. And uh, what Abraham did, and the, uh, as I understand the ritual in those days, it was common, not just among Israelites, but uh, the entire uh, Mesopotamian society, was that when you make a, an important deal with somebody that uh, amounts to a lot of money or, or a lot of uh, herds of cattle and things like that, what they do, they would cut a bull in half, and scatter the pieces uh, and then uh, in a certain area. And then uh, the two men or whoever was making a contract would walk through the pieces from one side to the other. The meaning of that ritual is 
if I fail to uphold my part of the bargain, let me cut in, be cut into pieces just like this bull. That means they take this contract very, very seriously. Do people take contracts this seriously today? Well, in a way, I'm kind of glad that they don't because it'd be rather messy out there, wouldn't it? But in terms of yes, in terms of demonstrating seriousness, that's pretty serious. Um, I think the seriousness comes about because of the punitive measures that are rolled out by the other side of the game. So it's a bit like um, you know the courts and the whole Freemasonic control of courts certainly over here anyway and probably no doubt in your neck of the woods as well and uh, they control both um, above and below they control the judiciary yes. at the top but they're also influential in creating crime at the bottom so there's a steady supply of mm-hmm. cases out of which they can milk fat and that's what they do the whole thing is just you know <laughs> it's like madness really you got, blood are you, sweat and tears yeah <laughs> You know, yes. what, yeah, it's it's a ridiculous yeah. proposition. I mean, the other thing about contracts, uh, just going over to this word testament, um, is I understood that this, uh, the root of that is testes, and that when two men would also, this is another thing in line with what you've said about the seriousness of contracts. Uh, in yes. the olden days, and I don't know quite what year I'm referring to, but obviously a long time back, when men struck a contract, they would hold their testicles during the uh, contract uh, exchange process as a sign, not each other, (laughs) their own, which is basically saying these are on the line because this is, when you think from a male point of view, it's symbolic of everything you've got. It's not only what you've got right now, but but it's your children, children. it's your your children, it's your entire family line. Oh, the covenant, the terms of the covenant. Yes, Mm. yeah. So yes. testament, yeah, yeah, yeah. testiclesmen, of course, I'm, I'm glad they don't use that because it might sort of undermine the seriousness of the thing. But um, and maybe I'm just making all that up, but I remember reading something about that. Um, and it seemed okay. to bear, bear fruit. It seems to sort of hold true, but it may well be that that's just manufactured. Maybe it was bull's testicles that they used. Who knows? Yeah, right. You know, along the line of what you just said. Maybe that was it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and they still do that. It's called rodeo. <laughs> right? Oh, you primitives out there. What are you like? Yeah, all... right. We're really primitive. Not as bad as Spain, who actually killed the bull. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the matador, right? Yes. Yeah, and Swamp Fox makes a long quote. I'm just going to quote the first line. The most terrifying force of death comes from the hands of men who wanted to be left alone. Yeah. That day is coming. <laughs> that day is coming, folks. All right, let's deal with another word. We, we could call this episode "Fun with Words." Okay. Yes. How about the word "Christian"? Yes, it's a lovely word, isn't it? You. Yes, a, it's a lovely word. A, it's a lovely word, and yet again, it's a word that's misunderstood. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, so. What's the common understanding as we would see? I would say. Someone is classed as a Christian in the normal conversation out there as somebody who attends a Christian church or professes themselves to be Christian or a student. I'm using that word. A reader might be better. Obviously, (laughs) a reader of Scripture, not necessarily a studier of it in terms of really getting to grips with it. Um, which is a bit haughty of me, but you get the gist. And um, 
that's what a Christian is, someone who is a member of one of these organised Christian churches, of which I understand there's over a thousand flavours these days or something, which is, you right, know, yeah. so... Um, well, Brother Aver says there's 33,000 flavours, but uh, that's <laughs> better he? than... <laughs> I hope he's gone out and counted them all. I want a list, Brother Aver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, okay. well, it, and who yeah. knows if they don't contain uh, shots of COVID in the, in the ice cream these days. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so... So what uh, what would be the proper definition of the word Christian? I would say this. I, I like this little example, which I, I mention a lot. If people ask me what my religion is, this is me, I say none. If they ask me what my race is, I say Christian. And my definition okay. would be that Christians are a race of people who hitherto were called Israelites. That's it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Christians that, are a, yeah, Christians are a race of people who hitherto were called Israelites, were Israelites. And uh, right. so a Christian, well, you can't become one. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you I've said this to people. Here. Oh, and, and they're using this phrase, born again. I said, no, that's all silly as well. It's got nothing to do with it. More more rot and show business from the churches. It's really very simple. The the problem people have is this thing to do with physical, biological race. Uh, White people are just appalled by this idea. You have to be a covenant Israelite to be a Christian. No other person is acceptable. Nope. (laughs) Does that make us bad people? Well, yeah, obviously, Eli, I'm really bad. To them, to <laughs> You're terrible. Only to us, yeah. they, they want to rob our storehouse, don't they? <laughs> right? let, let, uh, listen, I got a little, t- yeah, a little tale here, very brief, to just illustrate this point. About eight or nine years ago, there was um, uh, a gentleman I knew, uh, a very bright man of Indian descent. I think he'd studied at uh boston mit very bright guy uh and very much into spiritual reading and stuff which wasn't our main point of contact i I actually sort of bumped into him online about 2003 or four so this a long time back um and it was to do with cryptography at the time because i was aware of what the banks were going to do and blah 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 so it's just one of these sort of little avenues you pursue from time to time anyway uh he became convinced at some point that he was a Christian um, and and he would rattle all these messages out and this, that and the other. My last exchange with him, as I said, was about eight years ago. And and I wrote to him about something and I said, you, you, you're talking about this as if everybody is included. I said, they're not, right? Uh, Jesus did not come back to save everyone, right? Um, simply read scripture. He wrote back to me with a lot of effing and blinding. He's very bright. In in the manuscript that he sent me back, uh, along the lines of, the gist of it was, anyone who who doesn't think that Jesus came back to save every man, woman, child, molecule, and this, that, and the other, is an effing lunatic or something like that. That's what he wrote to me. So my last message back to him was, I heard what you said, and then I quoted the line from Christ, which is, I come not but for the lost... unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I said, uh, I'll be standing with Jesus. Thank you very much. Uh, you, Thank you. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck in your ignorance. You know, and, yeah. and there's nothing else. We don't need to get into an argument, really. I mean, it's not That's good right. use of time or energy. Just I just pointed. 
Yeah, just quote it back. Just go. Just- so there you go. So, you know, if you want to invalidate his word, that's fine. But I think you've got a problem and you're not included. Sorry, <laughs> you're not. Right. And you yeah. never will be so, okay. in this iteration. I mean, yeah. I don't know how it works out after death, honestly. I know a lot of us, I don't. I accept yeah. what things are said. And I'm, but for now, I think we have to do what we're supposed to do for now. And we'll, we'll deal with the other side when we, can, when we get to it. That's my kind of feeling, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We have a pretty good expectation of who will get in and who won't and under what terms they'll get in and who, who won't get in. Who does? Some of those who get in will not get eternal life. Uh, that's only promised to the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Okay. But a better life is promised to all who get in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, know, nim- nimble. Much, yeah, Nimble Horse yeah, has just put ahead. here in the chat, I come not but for the paganized Israelites in dispersion, <laughs> which is which is there correct. But it was interesting. You know the word, he uses the word lost. I come not but right. for unto the lost. Now, uh, I was reading um, uh, Nord Davis Jr.'s uh, Star Wars, which I go over quite a lot because it's a very compact yeah iteration of many of these key points so i find it very it's like a shorthand pamphlet it's very very good and he he looks at that word lost um and uh basically in uh two percent i think of its of its uh mentions or its placements within scripture it means what we think it means today something that's gone astray something you can't find the thing right uh I've, oh i've lost i've lost my hats that kind of stuff but in all other instances yeah, <laughs> that's what it means. But in all other other instances, it means lost means put away in punishment. So what Christ is saying is, I, mean, I yes. come not but for the put away in punishment, i.e. Nibblehorse is echoing that with paganized, for the put away in punishment uh, house of Israel. And they were put away because they were not keeping the contract. <laughs> <Were they? laughs> yes, they were failing to keep it. You know, that's really what happened. Um, so yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there is a simple word in English for that word, that co- compound word, "put away in punishment." Yeah, what happens when you have a government in another country because they've been kicked out of their own country? How about the word "exile"? Yes, exile. exiled. Mm-hmm. The exiled sheep of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So yes. uh, now, what about uh, what about believers? Yeah. If you believe in Jesus, does that make you a Christian or an Israelite? Um, no. <laughs> you are so brutal. <laughs> you are so brutal. I'm just reading that. I'm just reading that book. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? I, you yeah. know, and I'm and all. This is why it does get quite light. You're chuckling, rightly so, because this is actually, for us, a light conversation, isn't it? Because it's about clarity on the words. You go, no, it doesn't mean that. And I get people getting really wound up. Sorry, you know, I know what you might want it to be. I know what you've been taught it to be. I was taught that too. We were taught wrong, right? The people that taught you had had an agenda, and it wasn't for your well-being. Seriously, it wasn't. (laughs) Yes. You know, can you not see it now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, any other term, which is a uh, a non covenant uh, Israelite, simply does not qualify. No. That's that is how it works. Uh, that is the language 
It's legal language. It's a covenant between the Creator God, Yahweh, and the people that He has said, I have known no other people but you, Israel. No other people but you. Okay? And, and then, uh, you know, there's other laws that it's, uh, clearly say, no, uh, no mamzer shall come into the house of Israel. That, that means, so Israelites who have produced mamzer off, uh, offspring, it uh, just came up with a new word, off children. <laughs> <laughs> the children who are off to the side, right? Off they don't children. Count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't count. Yeah. They simply do not count. Sorry, folks, they don't count. Does that mean that they are condemned to hell? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that they can't qualify for the covenants. As Yahshua clearly said in Matthew fifteen twenty four. I cannot give you the children's bread. Yes. Can't do that. No. Okay. No, it's ungivable. It's not, it's not an act of meanness. It's simply a no. task that can't be just can't do it. <laughs> right, no, that's not it. possible to do that. The, the die was already cast; it's already been determined. I, you know, we've got this thing, don't we, in, in so-called modern culture where everybody's squealing about what they want to be. You know, I want you to refer to me as a you know from now on. I don't want you to genderize me as this. I'm a I'm a you know an anteater or something. And people are just saying the most ridiculously silly things purely to gain <laughs> attention. Do not get in. Yeah. So everybody's keen, you know, and there's all this talk about you can become whatever you like. My response to that is you can't. Um, we, and yes. you don't even want to. Who knows what you're going to like, right? Um, that's not right. the challenge in life. The challenge in life is not to be anything that you want. The real challenge is to be what you are, is to recognize and be exactly yeah, yeah. what you are and, and accept right. it fully. And in that, something else starts to happen, I believe. Uh, it certainly feels as though it does to me. Oh, Something yeah, on the inner right, planes yeah, you, moves you. You get, yeah, yeah. You, you get giggly all over <laughs> when you realize that you're an Israelite and not a jerk, right? <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it. I, I didn't quite. I hadn't really sort of run around saying saying that, you know, because it's it's also to somebody. It's obviously a a problem for us, or historically has been a problem for our forefathers, many of them, because they were not, and I'm not saying that I'm holier than thou and have managed to keep these things consistently, but what I seek to do on a personal, each day to to be closer to fulfilling these things than I was the day before, I'm not saying I always succeed. I have rages and things, and I say stupid things from time to time, but, for, you know, thankfully it's mostly in the kitchen, so nobody gets to hear them, um, you know, but there's things like that, and, uh, uh, so it's it's a test, really, but we have the inherent quality to achieve it. And I think, you know, uh, I mean, I was thinking before the show as well, this thing about a contract with Yahweh. And, uh, you know, if you think about contracts or agreements that you've been in with other people, it's very satisfying when the other party is doing what they're supposed to do on the schedule of the contract. It's really good. Uh, and yeah. it makes you want to do your bit as well. Uh, and it's like we're in a partnership with a contract, but we all know who the senior partner is. We all know who the founding partner is, right? We all know basically who we're actually in partnership with and for what reason. But partnership doesn't mean that we're literally enslaved. We've obviously been given this free will, this path to pursue, to right. to acquire these qualities through through keeping the contract, which make us 
pull us closer to Yahweh and to this understanding of a deeper thing, which we can't iterate at the beginning of the journey because we just have a sense of it. But we've been given that sense. I mean, there's that thing in in Hebrews again. You know, what what is the what's the purpose of the contract? He says um, that I will. Here's the thing that we get: we'll put the law in your heart and in your mind. <laughs> it's in there. There you go. I will put, you know, yeah. he's in our hearts and minds. And that's why we have these awkward, horrible feelings of guilt and all sorts of other things. When we, there's something, it's more than just a little voice. The more you've listened to it, it gets louder. You go, whoa, I can't, no, that's completely not on. Whereas you look at the other races, it doesn't seem to me under certain conditions, there's, no, there's nothing they won't do. Um, yeah. And we were talking about this on Friday. You know, you go to China. Apparently, there's, a, there's an alarming thing that happens if you go from Hong Kong to mainland China. You notice how quiet it is in mainland China. I don't know where they you land first. Yeah. But the reason it's quiet is that they've eaten all the cats and dogs and rats and mice. There's no animals around. Everything's got eaten up. Yeah? Uh, aren't they supposed to grow food? <laughs> well, they like might rice. do, but, you know, yeah. yeah. But I just picked that out as a rather vivid example. I mean, many people will probably have seen these cages that they keep dogs in and monkeys and things before they eat them. And, you know, I'm appalled by it. It's an appalling thing, yes. is that. It's truly right. revolting. It's stupid. There's nothing. You just go, what on earth is up with you? Are you, are you, you know, and then you right, worry. Right. You're, you're, you're a Christian. <laughs> you're a crazy Christian. Yeah. As, uh, Elmer Fudd would say, you're a crazy Christian. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. Now here, the the, the um, chat room is buzz, buzzing with mm-hmm. comments here because uh, we've brought up more words than we can probably deal with. And uh, <laughs> first of all, uh, yeah, mark this one: spiritual Israelite. Uh, yeah. Uh, just hold on to that one for a bit, because again, Sussex man makes a very good point here. Uh, oh, hey, wait a minute. The. Uh, the 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 scroll is going so fast that I can't keep up. The yeah, word no. pagan, yeah, I'm on is it too. a name given, yeah, given to the Chaldees who wouldn't join the state-controlled church derived from Pagai, simple people. Therefore, calling yourself pagan means you are a true Christian. Better term is the biblical word heathen. So here's another word that has been co-opted by the churches. And by the way, the word church comes from the word kirk, K, uh, meaning circle. Yes. With a circle of pagans. <laughs> right? Which is what we are. Okay. Yeah, it's, absolutely. That's what we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. I've, I've discussed this with Chris before, and he's, uh, I mean, it's great what he puts down there. It's fantastic. Thanks, Chris. And but he's meant, you know, when the when the high church of Rome was buzzing around, converting everybody or whatever they thought they were doing yeah yeah, there were those people in the country i which is where the word pagan comes from out in the country there um who really didn't want any part of it they wanted this uncluttered simple direct i.e truthful relationship with the word and so they resisted it and so to demonize them they became called pagans and now everybody uses it as sort of like some person who's ignorant of these things and doesn't know it but in fact it's someone who's really loyal and true to the actual uh the correct intent of scripture all the way down the line it seems to me yeah yeah, although I would have to take issue to some extent, uh, calling yourself a pagan means you're a true Christian. Not necessarily. You're better than a churchian, right? Yes. But that does make you an Israelite. But most, of course, in the days when all of this terminology was being bandied about, 
Yeah. There were only white Israelites uh, you know, in, in merry old England. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been true. That, that today, pagans are, uh, well, non-Christians <laughs> running about in the woods, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true. It, every word gets hijacked, doesn't it? Every word yes. gets hijacked. Every single one. You have to stay on it. And, of course, that is the main uh, attack point of the enemy are all the time, is to start off with one word and you begin to undermine its meaning. Then you find out that Keep you've been in conversation. Yeah. 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 You've been in Absolutely. conversations with people and you <laughs> you realize that nobody understands anything truthful because they all think you're referring to the wrong group of people for the wrong reasons at the wrong time doing the yeah. wrong things. Yeah, and it's, the legal profession does the same thing. They keep changing the meaning of words in the law books while the average meaning that the, you know, Joe Schmo and uh, and uh, Lily Lightfoot, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lori Lightfoot, sorry, uh, have a different meaning for and use it differently. And so consequently, you have the, uh, you know, the legal profession doing this to us. We have the Pharisees doing this to us constantly. And it's impossible to keep up with all the new meanings of words. Okay? Which is why we can't let that, we can't, why we can't live with them. Because they're going to keep. Right. That's why they, they can't live go. with us. Yeah, they have to go. Absolutely. So, yeah. okay. And Nimblehorse states uh, with uh, regard to the word pagan, uh, a person of non-Christian or non-Jewish faith. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Jews are pagans and they're Gentiles because they're non-Israelites. Yeah. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. I would put it that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. From the late Latin paganus or pagan. In classical Latin, villager, civilian, non-competent, noun use of meaning of the country, of a village, from pagus. So, so pagan is not necessarily a non-believer. No. Okay? No. Again, these words that we bandy about have so many meanings that we can't make sense of them. And that brings us to the word Gentile. <laughs> but uh, but let's uh, first talk about Christian Israel, or spiritual Israel. Is there such a thing as a spiritual Israelite? I've never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> Even the real Israelites? <laughs> well, what Aren't does it mean? Yeah, right. Well, what do they mean by it, right? Yeah, spiritual. What does it mean? They all go, woo, woo, I love everybody or something. What does it mean? Everybody says, oh, I'm I'm spiritual. I go, well, everybody's, we've all got a spirit, you know. What do you actually mean by this? It's such a vague sort of woo, woo word, isn't it? It, it is to me anyway. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, here, let me give the textbook definition if Please there do. is one. Yeah. Which, which is that because the Israelites, by which they mean Jews, mm-hmm. erroneously, uh, because the Jews rejected Jesus Christ, and therefore the covenant no longer applies to Israel. But those of us who believe that we can become Christians are now spiritual Israelites, and therefore the covenant now implies to us. That's what they mean by the term spiritual Israelite. Yeah. Okay, well, that's just plain daft, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right? I we mean, can't help it if people are going to be daft as a brush and thick and refuse to actually read what's written on the document. You know, we can't. But all we can do is disassociate from them and simply say, right. and this over and over again, you have no standing in our affairs because you're talking gibberish. We we can't listen to you. They have no legal standing. Absolutely none. Uh, yeah, here's the contract. You're not in the contract. Get lost. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who invited you to the meeting? Oh, no one. Why are you sticking your nose in? Why do you think... Is your name on this? Uh, no. What are you doing here? But I've... The Jew says, I've been calling myself an Israelite for the last 200 years. Surely I qualify because I call myself an Israelite. Sure, it's all about name tags, Eli, if only. <laughs> I've got the name tag. Yeah. I'm here at the conference. Here's my name tag. Yeah. That makes it's not me that- I don't. Want, I don't want to be called a Christian. No Jew wants to be called a Christian. Well, no, it's okay. Right. They never. Ha- they never have been because they can't be one. So yeah. if anybody called them that, it's purely in error, and they should just brush it off. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's a bit like the Pope wearing that big hat and thinking that somehow this makes him the vicar of Christ. It's just a lark. I mean, it's it's pantomime. Surely, it's very serious exactly. pantomime. The consequences have been horrific. I accept all that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah. You know. From from the day that the Catholic Church was founded, it's been nothing but struggle for real Christians, right? That means yes. Israelites of of uh, you know, uh, Israel stock, yeah, who believe and have the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, yep. th- that's the faith of Jesus Christ. That means, and the word faith, we may even have time to go into the word faith, but it means faithfulness, not mere belief. It has mm-hmm. to be a faithful. Israelite, that's the only possible definition, and the one you gave earlier is excellent too. A Christian has to be a faithful Israelite. Yep. Okay? That's right. That's what it has to be. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Believer doesn't count. Uh, Christian doesn't count. Churchian doesn't count. You have to be a DNA blood Israelite who has the faith of Jesus Christ, and that's very succinctly stated in Revelation twelve fifteen, where it says only those who have obey the commandments, all right, those Israelites who obey, obey the commandments and have the faith of Jesus Christ, they're the only ones who count. Yes, they're the only covenanted people. Okay. Yeah. From beginning to end, the Bible is very exclusive. That's why uh, J- uh, John, oh, no, I'm sorry, not not John, Luke, Luke and Matthew both list the genealogies uh, from Adam down to Yeshua. That's yeah. why those are there to punctuate the covenant relationship between us and our Creator Yahweh. That's why it's there. <laughs> I know, but without that context, of course, those chapters where they say so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so they go on for quite a while without that context those things of course are um basically made fun of they go, oh listen to this yeah. it's just going on and on and on and on yeah why are they going on and on and on about it can't they talk about something no they just like to go on and on and on well there's a, as you said <laughs> right? without right. the context you can't understand it but once it's there you go oh it's because it's a racialist document it's only being addressed to one race of people this is the provenance of their bloodline got it hence the name of this show yeah. you know so yeah it's bloodlines it it's is all about bloodlines. It is okay. All right, so now let's get into. Well, let's cover the word Jew real quickly, uh, and uh, just recover. Is so it many possible times. to do that? <laughs> I'm not, right. So, a Jew. My definition of a Jew is someone who pretends to be an Israelite. Yes, I guess. Which means he can't be an Israelite to begin with. If you're, you're if you are an Israelite, you don't have to pretend to be one, right? So. A Jew is someone who pretends to be an Israelite. Of course, that means he is not an Israelite, or she. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I think, I suppose, what I would say on that is that there's definitely, there are definitely amongst uh, 
say the rabbinate, those that communicate in that way, to give the implication that they are. Uh, I think maybe uh, rank-and-file, run-of-the-mill Jewish people, whoever they may be, don't, I, I, you know, I've known them and asked them. They don't subscribe to that idea at all. They, they have a sort of uh, some. Many of them have a kind of uh, healthy disrespect, I think, or disregard for the whisperings of rabbis as well. But uh, un- unfortunately, yet that's again, right. that doesn't make any difference because that is the force that's ultimately in control of the overall tenor and hue of of that tribe. And um, so th- they would have to deal with it themselves. It's none of our business, frankly. But uh, you're, right. you're correct. I, I tend to agree in, in great part, but I think there's there's other aspects to it as well. I think, uh, right. um, you know, but the Which idea that they're masquerading as another people has definitely been a, a constant theme over the last right. 2,000 years, right. yes. Yeah. They're yeah. not the ecclesia. No. They're not the bloodline. They don't have the faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they have nothing that uh, even remotely resembles a true Christian or Israelite. They just don't. Okay. Well, no, but, but so, I mean, from our perspective, yeah. like we wouldn't expect them to, would we? We can be quite, like I said, it's no. quite a light-handed discussion for us. It's not. It's not about. A, this yeah. is not a table-thumping exercise. It, not that they are ever very effective. This is just calmly showing people that look, if you if you read this. <laughs> And you don't need to read all of it, you need, but you must be given the keys read to the, the key contract. bits. Yeah, read the contract. Read the contract. Yes. You know, and and, okay. and we're away. You're on. You're on. Your, you know, I'm not saying you're going to understand it all in the next ten minutes, but if you get no. that it's a contract and therefore exclusivity is at play, Amen. you've got a great Ooh. journey to go into. A really wonderful you journey. It's wonderful. Another dirty word. You used another dirty word. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusivity. I know. Well, exclusive. I can't help it. It's a shameful thing I reading that book accurately. To the exiled sheep of the house of Israel. Okay. Yeah. I didn't come for anybody else. No. It's a massive blow, okay. that one, you know. Every time I say it, it to people, I've Ooh, said it several times. Yeah, it is. I've said it several times to the same group of people, and I'll be saying it more. And every time I do, it still has a massive effect. Yeah, it's, man, it's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely oh. colo- because people in- very quickly slip back into the mold that has been cast for them when they were young with their training at schools yeah. and whatever. I understand that. This but is why everybody, Paul, <laughs> he loves them all. Oh, I love Jesus. He loves me. We're all going to. Everybody loves one another. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we'll 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 be on our way. Thank you very much. Good luck with that. You know, right. um, leave me alone. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be appalled when they meet him. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if appalled's the right word, but they're going to be, you know, if you could sit down with him and say, what were you really about? Said, I've told you once. I mean, how many more times have I got to say, haven't you read it? <laughs> I didn't come for everybody else. Why are you even here? If they're Catholics, they haven't read it. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you know, the, the Protestant thing is just as bad. It's just as stupid. Yeah, I mean, they've gone. They're all unit. They may have all started off maybe at a clean point. And there's a big maybe, but you know, they um, they're all sort of humanistic and all this universalist. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the church is over here. They're, well, they're not. As I said, I mean, for me, Catholicism is is the world's largest participation hobby. That's what it, it's a hobby. <laughs> it's right. nothing else let's dress up do some things go into these fantastic buildings that our forefathers built and talk gibberish to one another and pretend that it's all going to work out okay i'm not coming i don't want anything to do with it you know um because it trades on the 
on spectacular things. Um, I, I was talking to someone the other day, I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you, about 10 years ago, Eli, I was up in London um, with the family. Uh, my lads were young at the time, about 9 and 11, that kind of age. We had a wonderful weekend. It was just before Christmas. I'd never been into St. Paul's, the cathedral there. Um, okay. So I said, we'll go. And uh, so uh, we walked quite a long way. I said, I'm not going to take the tube or the bus right up to the door. I want us to get off a mile before we're going to walk down this route. I want to walk through this district to get there. So we did that sort of, it was Saturday morning, be about half 10. And the they had a, it turned out, fluently, we didn't plan it, that there was a family service on that day. Um, oh. About 11 o'clock, 11.15. As we are, seriously, as we're walking there, it started to snow. This is rare at any time. It was snowing. And I went, I think we've touched a bit of magic. I don't, I know, I understand that I'm going off into a slightly sentimental view of things. I accept that. But still, it touched, I thought it was fantastic. It was lovely. And I got all Dickensian in my mind. And I was expecting horses to come down the street and everything like this. And it's, there's something warm about it. But uh, we, we went in. And um, I'd never been in there before. And, of course, the thing that strikes you about it, apart from the magnificence of the building, the architecture, and all this kind of stuff, because it does, it is inspiring. It's reaching for something. It's wonderful in a way, even though it might be based on false premises. But the is the sound. Obviously, these things are created as literal auditoriums. You know, the, the sound in there is amazing. And uh, yeah. we heard the choir three minutes before we saw them. They were down this nave a long way off, and we heard them singing as they were coming out, and it was just spectacular. It was amazing. And I was thinking at the time, I thought, yeah. I thought, now, if we go back, say, in this country, well, when that was built 400 years ago, 350 years ago, mid-1600s, something like that, um, and I'm a blacksmith or something, uh, there's no um, TV. Uh, there might be some pamphlets floating around. Well, there were definitely those things floating around. But but my life would, if I had money, I could go to the theatre, maybe. But I probably wouldn't have too much money for that either. Uh, my life's the yeah. pub and, and mending horses. And then on a Sunday, I go down there. I'm going to be blown away by that. You, you know, I was trying to put myself in that context that suddenly, once a week, you've got this moment where you are, for a short period of time, with your kith and kin thinking about something else. This is not to say that they haven't abused the congregation, of course, but there's always that quality. I, I certainly wouldn't say that everybody that's gone to church is a bad person or anything. You you play the cards that you're dealt, and then you've got to work out why there's a problem going on. Um, but but that was a spectacular day. The other thing, though, that you will really chuckle at was this. That, <laughs> and I found this out about a year later. The guy that was, I don't know what you would call him, uh, the guy that was in charge of the church, the head priest, the Deacon? vicar of... Deacon? Okay. Maybe, yeah, yeah Deacon, something. Yeah. Anyway, he's yeah. Ju he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah, I've become a Christian. A and I went, oh, you bloody well haven't, mate. <laughs> yeah, you know, what What are you supposed to do? You just go, what? Are you, you know, and you go, well, there's, there's no real end to all that kind of stuff. So, Now, I'm now did that Jewish guy actually do anything? <laughs> or is he just a, a title holder? Well, he's just, or he conducted the service, which I don't remember oh, much of that, really. A title I, holder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the last time I've been to a church for, I suppose, what you would call a religious service. Not been since. Right. And we, only, we went, I went because I wanted the boys to see the building and to have a, some touch of a Christmas experience, even though you may say, well, this is bogus. I accept all that as well. But the thing is, we've grown up in these times. We can, 
we can look at these things and be aware of them without being sucked in by them. Uh, that's something that I have as a sort of rule stick. You have to be aware of what's affecting all our kith and kin, what's hypnotising them. And you can see that that's, that's quite a powerful thing, you know, you become aware of it. But, uh, but yeah, there's yeah, uh, yeah. even so, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've spent years trying to have a concise definition of the word Jew. And so now here we have a Jew occupying the uh, vicarship or deaconship <laughs> of the church. Or, yeah. But what, a claim holder. And the Jews do this all the time because the Saudi royal family are no longer Arabs. They're Jews. They, yeah. uh, a Jewish group uh, assassinated all of the rightful claimants to the throne and began impersonating uh, Arabs. Yes. Okay, and claiming to be in control of, well, I mean, they were in control of Saudi Arabia for, since that time. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So they're claim holders, but the same thing applies to, you know, the gold rush in 49 in California. You stake your claim onto a certain amount of territory, uh, you dig for gold or you panhandle, right? Mm -hmm. And et cetera, et cetera. Or pan for gold. And uh, panhandling is something else. Anyway, uh, you pan for gold, and uh, then somebody kills you and claims to be you, and they have, and nobody asks any questions, and voila, yeah. they have the right to the claim by fraud. They mm. do. I mean, the fraud as well, or the, the deception, is taking place in the minds of the crowd who are deceived. That's right. That's right. So, so that the, right. the honourable, truthful party can find no allies. Because all the people that yes. would be his allies have, are deceived and therefore believe yes. that you are a troublemaker for going back to what you know <laughs> You know is the truth. You're the one that's causing all the trouble. Uh, hang on oh. just a minute. You know, and right. you, yeah. No, but I'm the good guy. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. I don't believe you. The Jew says you're the bad guy. That's right. That's right. That's so they must bad. be right, you know. Um, they must be right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Jew. Yeah, and the impersonation exactly. thing. Yeah, the great masquerade. I'm sure somebody was a great impersonation. Somebody wrote a book with a title <laughs> like that. Anyway, but but um, that that of course, there are many of these sorts of um, proofs. Are there not? You'll be aware of all of them, I guess. You know, you're bound to be. Uh, why the Edomite Canaanite descended people known as Jews today? are not the Israelites. And there, there are many, but the best one I have found, the one, the only one that I mention, and I don't talk about any, I never discuss anything else after this, I say, and it comes back to what you were referring to uh, a few moments ago regarding that lineage, the bloodlines as uh, laid down in the Old Testament, the begetting processes. Mm -hmm. of right. Anybody that looks at that list will see that all of the individuals in the list are men and this is because the israelite people are a patrilineal people as are all the people of western europe they the father yes. is the head of the household and we measure the descent take the father's name and this is just natural people it's just what happens but the jewish people are a matrilineal people and that's the end of their claim that's, that's right. it. Fin it's finished. It's we don't. We don't even need to get. I, I personally don't get drawn into the drama of it all. Oh, they do this and all that. Oh, you forget all that. <laughs> Please explain to me how a people that have always measured that is sent through the mother can suddenly transform into being a people that have never done that and have always measured that is sent through the father. That's not possible. Well, just You're as a non-Israelite become becomes an Israelite by being a believer <laughs> or a spiritual Israelite. 
Yeah. Right? Same way. Okay? Well, isn't it? Yeah, and this is what, yeah, you're, I guess. This is what we've got with people believing that they're, um, they're a moose or an anteater. Is that right? <laughs> right, exactly. By the way, uh, I saw the craziest post. There was a guy in the woods uh, running around. He, he wasn't naked. He was wearing some kind of suit, and he had antlers on. Right. And uh, he, mu- he must have been crazy. And uh, so he's running around in the woods wearing antlers, and uh, wouldn't you know, a hunter shot him, thinking he was a deer. Really? <laughs> right? Be careful who you impersonate, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful who you impersonate. Okay, so let's get into Gentiles. We only have 20 minutes left by Arnold Kennedy. And he uh, unfortunately passed away December 28, 2006. This is from the New Ends, and thank you, Chris. When we examine verses such as, quote, For thou art an holy people unto Yahweh thy God. Yahweh thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all the people that are upon the face of the earth, unquote, Deuteronomy 7, 6. They established the exclusive nature of Israel as being a holy, i.e. set-apart race among all the other races of this globe. Wow, what a statement. What an absolutely honest, perfect, truthful statement made by Arnold Kennedy right there. Yep. Really concise. Mm-hmm. That's the first sentence of his article, Gentiles. And I'll just read the second one here, because these verses are so precise— we can see that there is a racial message that conflicts with the common belief about Jews and Gentiles. Your comment here. Wow, what an it, awesome statement. Well, it is. I, I think it's really what we've been covering for the last hour. This is exactly right, that, yeah. that, that effectively exclusivity has to be at play because a contract is in play. And, of course, this word testament is not understood. If you ask people what a testament is, they don't know what it is. Oh, it's the thing that you do when you testify in court or something, isn't it? Well, that's Ooh, not precise yeah. enough. Yes, it can be that. Yeah. that these, are, these are all these things, but it's to do with a formal binding agreement between two or more parties to do or refrain from doing that which is itemised in the contract. And therefore, exclusivity yeah. is just an inherent part of it. It's, it has to be. You wouldn't draw it up otherwise. There'd be no reason to do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah everybody... Everybody's in <laughs> if you don't have a contract. Yeah, and, you know, just coming back to this Catholic thing, like we said the other week, Catholic is universal, which is the complete opposite of exclusive, which is basically – so right? the word Catholic is the complete opposite of the word testament. So what part of that – we're three words in, the, old, testament, and they've got it all yeah. wrong. And then right. people say, oh, no, you need to go yeah. back to the Catholic Church. I've heard commentators, very bright people, oh, you know, oh, oh. very learned. You know, I know that their intellectuals are very intellectual, very bright and very competent and can write really well. I'm fully aware of all that kind of stuff. But this is like we're saying at the beginning. If you don't understand how an engine works and think it's to do with all this other twiddlesome stuff, forget it. <laughs> you know, I'm, so you just I'm sorry, but you've got the whole concept wrong after word three, after the third word in. Everything from that point on okay. is in error. Everything. And, uh, right, right. <laughs> how, I mean, how hard by can it way, be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the know. way, I just looked up your comment about the word testament being based on testes. Yeah. Uh, this is the nature of existence.blogspot.com. Yeah. And it says, from testicles to testament. 
The word testament is based on the symbolic meaning of the term testicles. Right. In ancient Judea, Egypt, and Greece, and even the Romans before Christ, the testicles represented man's virility and were also the symbol of strength, respect, and honor, and the last name of the family. When a man fathered a boy, his friends would greet him with the gesture of touching his genitals to show him respect as a fully-fledged man. Now, that's going a little too far. I'm glad they don't do that now. Yes, that's a bit too far, friends. No, not very British. Too. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to your point, uh, there seems to be some truth to that. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Yes. All right. So, uh, the common teaching is that the Jews are Israel— and the Gentiles are everyone else. Yeah. That is the common teaching. That is yes, the common it is the, teaching. It is the common teaching, yeah. But it's t- entirely false. Okay? Yeah. The, the two views are against each other. One cannot be held together with the other. This is being examined and will be seen that the Jews cannot equate to all Israel or any Israelite. Yeah. And that some Gentiles may be Israelites in Scripture. And, of course, he puts quotation marks around the word Gentile. Okay. Yeah. That is the all-inclusive, all-race message is not that of the potter in Romans 9, who says in verse 18, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he, he hardeneth. And this is talking about Edomites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It means Edomites are excluded. Yep. Excluded. Yep. Not included. Now, mm. we know that the Jews are Edomites. That's part of their heritage. Therefore, they cannot be included. They are excluded. Yes. Therefore, uh, they are, quote-unquote, Gentiles, according to their definition of the word. O- over to you. Uh, well, I mean, th- that communication that they are excluded, who is it for? It's for the Israelites that get confused, that, yeah, think, right. that think they might be included. <laughs> <laughs> it's always down to us. Really, yeah. you've got to see it. And in fact, even if we don't think it's down to us, it's best to take that stance because you take then responsibility for all the errors that are accumulating around you and now you can deal with them. You, you know, because the thing is, I'm not to blame for this. Well, no, you might not be to blame for it, but you are now, if you're conscious of it, you've now got the equipment, the tools to put it right, to break, get it back on track, to remove the error where you've now spotted it and go forward. No, Nobody could be asked any more of than that. We all are in error with certain things from time to time but it's, it only compounds it becomes a major problem if you don't correct it but if you're aware of it you can correct it so but I, i'm going to back to something you said when we spoke a few weeks ago i i think the word gentile almost needs to be removed entirely and replaced in its yes. context accurately wherever it appears it's obviously one of these words which intentionally causes um a, a bewilderment you know um it comes as you said from the latin Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. It's, it's a Latin. And from the Latin, it means, it means a, a, a person of the same race, tribe, or family. That's exactly yeah. So in context, it can mean all sorts of stuff, can't yeah. it? Arabs are Gentiles to other Arabs, aren't they? They're the same type. Right. They're of the same exactly. Gentile. Yeah. In the correct usage of the term, but now yeah. they use it to the exact opposite meaning. Yeah, I I just bomb it out of the entire thing. I think it's absolute <laughs> menace of a word. 
I really would. Yes, it's, it's it because even explaining it is more tortuous to explain this and to create clarity than it is around the word Jew. The Jew thing is really rather yeah. straightforward, like we were just saying with re- with regards to the bloodlines. Bang! You could just nail it. I mean, there's hundreds of yeah. others, but you can nail it with that. But Gentile, because it pops up all over the place, and because it may or may not be used correctly in certain things, people go, oh, it's being used correct here, but not over here. I'd say let's just get rid of it everywhere and replace it with whatever it is, heathen, nation, Israel, whatever it is meant to be. I'm sure there would be a better way of putting it in because I'd, it'd be interesting to know when it entered into Scripture. I mean, if it's Latin, then when? When did they start dropping this yes. into into it, you know? Because it's yes. uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's part of a double bind on the mind. It really is. It's not helpful at all, I don't think, as a word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another interesting discussion occurring in the chat room about the use of the word, uh, the prefix anti. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, anti does in current vernacular mean against, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, a, uh, a person uh, who is a stand in. But in the original uh, Greek, it means one who takes the place of a stand in. Right. A, a fraudulent person, <laughs> okay, uh, one who, yeah, it can be, it does mean an adversary of the Messiah, but the way he practices his adversarial relationship is by pretending to be Messiah. It means, a, again, a stand-in. Yes. One who has taken the place of the real thing. And this is, again, that's the, that's the nature of the problem. There's somebody pretending to be the Christ or standing in the place of Christ. The Catholic Church has done this, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And the Jews have done it to an extent to, by pretending to be Israel, although they utterly reject Messiah, right? Well, they should. Okay. I think it's just... Yes. Of course they should. Right. That's, because it's fantastic that they do. <laughs> I'm not cross about that. That's great. They get on with rejecting it. That's all you can do because it's not for you. It's not for you. I mean, I find it hilarious that they get circumcised. Oy when you vey. think about it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they, they think, oh, no, if we, do, if we mimic this bit, right... What's up with you? You're mad. They're completely mad, and then they think they're so clever. They're thick as two short planks. It's. I mean, I heard one. There was a rabbi banging on the other day on some video that someone sent me about. um, Oh, there are all these. um, Oh, he was quoting the. He thought he could quote the Torah. I'm going, mate. Your your guys didn't write that. It's nothing to do with Uh you. (laughs) You chump. You know what do you think? But of course, they know that it works on the sucker would be Israelite, as it were, from our own people, right. who think, oh, right. oh, these are the holy people of the Bible. No, no, they're not. <laughs> they're yes. not, you know. So, uh, so again, the, the confusion and the multiple meanings of all these words uh, be, lead to some interesting conclusions, you know, because the fact is the spiritual Israelites who think they are Gentiles are really Israelites, but they don't believe in the law. Therefore, they're not really Israelites anyhow. <laughs> Say that again. Okay. I dare you. Yeah, I double I dare you. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do it again. Uh, uh, that was a moment of clarity about all, a tremendous confusion. <laughs> the spiritual is. Did you say something at the beginning that really got me? I just it shows you how bewildering it is. The spiritual Israelites right. who think they are Gentiles. Is that what you said? Something like that. Yeah, I think they think like they're that. Gentiles. Yeah. You go, well, you are <laughs> Gentiles with one another. You are of the same. T- Do you say, oh, what a right. nonsense! That word. Wow. But they're not Jews because only <laughs> Jews are Israelites, right? <laughs> Can we go oh, home now? 
I want to yes. go home. Well, we've only got 10 minutes left, class. <laughs> <laughs> Enough yeah. confusion for one day, yes. right? Yeah. But this is the essence of unraveling the confusion created by fraudulent language. Mm-hmm. And the average Christian has, an average Israelite, be he Christian or not, has no idea that these words have been so horribly tampered with, misdefined, redefined, undefined, uh, uh, and taken from other languages that are not in Scripture, right, et cetera, et cetera. So unless you do these types of word studies and understand their true meaning in the original languages, you will never understand the Bible, period. Never. And you no. can call yourself what you want. If you don't understand the true meanings of these words, you're not a Christian, and even though you may be an Israelite by blood, you will not understand the Bible because you are—you call yourself a Gentile, right? <laughs> a Gentile to what? So, I mean, spoiler alert puts right. this in. Gentile comes from the Latin word gentilis, which is an yes. adjective that literally means closely related. How Amen. troublesome a word is that going to be? Yeah. <clears throat> closely well, related means yeah. what? Who's you see? Oh yeah, well we've got two arms and two legs and a head, so we're closely related. Uh, uh, go to the back of the queue. You see, yeah. but but that will be implied. It will be moved over in the mind. They'll go past a passage, and the rest of it is dung. After that, it's dung. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I've had these people say to me, "Have you read the Bible?" I said, "No, not all the way through." And I said, "I'm jolly glad I haven't." And they said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Because if I'd have read it all the way through, I would have read it with the context that had been forced upon me by structured religions, and they're wrong. Then I would have read yes. it wrong. I would have imbibed bad uh, information, like drinking something bad." I said, uh, "What I've done is I've gone through it on guidance with others." courtesy of yourself i've got a big thank you for that and other people and gone through these things and suddenly gone there are some key parts in it if which if you do not understand this you cannot understand all of it much of it is detail and it's and it's valuable and of course there's language sections in the in the old testament uh, and in the new which are just certainly in the king james which are wonderful i love that language right. it evokes something but it's you know so it's almost as if the kjv in my view needs correcting it needs the name of yahweh returning oh, it, it needs gentile taking mm-hmm. out and several other right. things i don't think it's a major bit of work but those things really need to be done and that that would be the bible for me because although i do understand that people don't like the old language i love it i think it evokes there's something powerful going on in that language and it it puts you in it puts me in a very peaceful state so it's rather beautiful i think at times uh, yeah. but of course it's not it's not about beautiful pretty language and having your ears tickled all the time it's got to be right and of course it's it's not in many places as yeah. you've as you've illustrated today yeah yeah well that's why i like the jerusalem bible because it is very straightforward okay it so is it uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I like to have those two side by side, actually, because, you know, like you say, the King James is evocative, although it's loaded with errors. Mm -hmm. The Jerusalem Bible has fewer errors, but it's more straightforward modern English, and and it uses the word race, which the KJV does not. Well, I've got okay. one now. I think I told you I ordered one. I got one, okay. and uh, it's yeah. and it's fine. And I re- I've read comparable bits, and it's really interesting. I was reading. Um uh, Daniel three because it, this is just one of these beautiful bits. I've got to recall the of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, and the fiery furnace. Okay. And uh, so in the King James, it's absolutely mar- it's I think it's so wonderful the language that whole section. Um, and I read it in the 
uh, in the Jerusalem Bible, and it's fabulous. What's interesting about it is that um, there's a huge additions in there of the songs that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, or the Psalms that they sang whilst they were in the fire. In, there's none of that in the King James. In the Jerusalem. In the Jerusalem. In the Jerusalem. Yeah, it's huge. It's a much, much bigger section. It's massive. And it, and it, and I, I thought, yeah, they were in there singing Psalms. And because it's an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar is extremely furious with them, <laughs> very cross, <laughs> because they're supposed to be burning up and they're in there singing. Yeah, he's oh, hopping around. Really? He's getting more hot, hot than they are in his temper. What's going on? Yeah, are they? Right, why are they man. not burning up? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Confound it! <laughs> they're not yeah, burning up. It yeah, is. That's fantastic. It is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So I, I, I immediately have done what you say you do, which is I got I got them out side by side, and I just like to move across from one to another, you know, because I'll have a thought and I go, where can I find that in the Bible? I'll do a search online. They go, you need to look at this. And then I'll go get the physical book and sit down that night and go through it and have a look at it and look at those sections. So, yeah, it, it's, it's very lucid. It's wonderful. And, of course, knowing that J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien was on the translation team or the working team kind of wow. inspires me even more because there was a man who I think in that great – tale that he wrote was writing a, a phenomenal allegory in many ways of our condition <laughs> really it, it, there are all sorts right. of things i'm not saying it's perfect because it's set in and rooted oh. in things but you can see this echo down through the line it's very much there and yeah. uh, what's the book title of the, of the the parable of the lion uh is he the know. one who wrote that i don't know okay. i don't think so yeah i don't know yeah, it's was been turned it? into a movie it's been turned into a movie right the parable but, uh, of the lion no all right yeah the, the lion who is killed oh, and comes back to life you mean uh, being... you mean the lion the witch and the wardrobe by c.s lewis is that what you mean oh c.s lewis okay not tolkien lewis yeah well, but maybe... lewis, i mean lewis and tolkien were were lifelong friends at university right okay. uh, they were they were a member of a club called the inklings and they would meet and discuss all of these things <laughs> we, we have an inkling of the truth <laughs> uh, i think that's yeah but a bit more than that and of course, they yeah, uh, right. Lewis is Lewis is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, I, some of the things he said are absolutely just tremendous, and uh, I think they had a mutual respect. Of course, people have criticised Lord of the Rings and said, "Well, there's no religion in it; they would have one." But I actually oh, think that that's Lord of the Rings. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, yeah. his book. But I think I don't think that is a weakness. I think it's a strength because the the it's almost as if they behave. You see, all the characters, the good ones, are behaving in a Christian way. In the, yes, in, they are. they're behaving like that. That that's what counts. It's not, you know, what did Christ say? If you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say if you love me, go to church. <laughs> yeah, right. If you love right. me, keep my commandments. This is about the. Here's the terms of the contract. Keep them. You'll find it. That's <laughs> and when you when you're in a character in a book or a film that's keeping the that's behaving with that integrity, the chivalric code, the code of the samurai, these things, that kind of thing, it's all tapped in. You know, because even the samurai come from the Rus. That it was all the whole right? of the samurai culture came from the from red haired foreigners that came into the north of Japan. All these things, right. uh, it I comes knew. from the same I people. Knew. Yeah, yeah, they're, mm. they're not they're not Orientals. Yeah, no. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, but again, you know, this is something only we in identity are even remotely aware of. You know, the, yeah. the migrations of not just the twelve tribes, but the other Shemites, um, Japhethites, and Hamites, such as the Berbers of yeah. Northern Africa. Yeah. Okay. Who are yes. white? <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, uh, it's uh, the exclusive racial message. Can you recall 
the original definition you gave on this show of a true Christian. A Christ, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, a, a Christian, <laughs> a Christian is is a member of a race of people who used to be called Israelites. That's what a Christian is, and they are again being called Israel by us. Yeah. So what goes around comes around, folks. <laughs> it does. But it has taken us six thousand years to understand it. Okay. It has. You know, you just mentioned the Berbers as well. I mean, we've got about a minute to go, by the way. You just mentioned yeah. the Berbers. Uh, I'll try and dig it. I, I came across a video of one of these tribes, like related to the Berbers, on the northwest coast of Africa. And it's a little uh-huh. video of about three minutes long. Um, um, and these people are astonishing to look at. <laughs> Absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Because they're effectively, oh, yeah. they're us. There's a photograph yes. of a little boy in a village with blonde hair and the most piercing blue eyes you ever saw. He looks like a Norse god in, in Jungvur. Right? They're amazing. <laughs> They're absolutely amazing. And you oh, go, a pagan. That's right. A pagan. But there are these names, I think, on these old maps of Israelite place names in that part of Africa. And people go, oh, this is where the Africans are Israelites. Go, no, no, you silly person. This no, no. is where the Israelites moved through, yes. and they left their names as they went. That's what happened. And then you look at the Berbers and these yes. other tribes, and there they are, sitting there. Looking amazing, you know, so. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. 20 seconds to go, Eli. I'll leave the floor to you and wrap it up. So there we go. Well, we've had fun with words today. And uh, the main words being uh, Gentile, Jew, and I think church. (laughs) Oh, and Testament. Yeah. But fun with words, biblical words. If you don't know what these words mean, you will never understand the Bible. That's today's message. And uh, the more fun we have these words, the better, because uh, it makes us appear to be nice people where everybody else thinks we're racist and terrorists and, and Nazis. Okay. <laughs> That's the point of today's message. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Thank you, Paul. Thank Yahweh you, bless. Eli. Thank you.